All right, um, I've got a board. <laughs> I, had to piece it, I had to piece it together. Oh, y'all had like a little thing there. That not to be wobbly, but I'm going to stand up actually. I want to talk about heaven and earth and some of the misconceptions and the, the, the truths that I found in Scripture. And it's funny that, that we've been talking about this, and sometimes I will read Scripture and the Holy Spirit will reveal things to me, and sometimes the Holy Spirit reveals things to me, and then I go back and I find out that it's correct in Scripture. It's almost backwards. And I don't mean to sound uneducated, but it, it's true. It's sometimes the way that the Lord works with me. He'll say, I'm, I'm saying this, and I'll go, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. And then two weeks later, I'll be studying something else, and it'll pop back up, and I'm like, ah, it was, it was definitely true. I really see it now. And so that's kind of how this is. I know we've been talking about the heart, um, and, and this kind of ties right along with it. A, a lot of these are parallels. Um, the kingdom of heaven, and, and, and I've mentioned many times I, my misconceptions growing up, and a lot of what the, the big C churches or the churches that I went to was this, this idea that we, we have to be really good so that we can go to heaven one day when we die. So there was this distance. There was always this distance between me and God and me and heaven. And so I always really struggled with that. And what I began to discover is uh, going all the way back and looking at the meta narrative, the, the big picture, the big story. And what helped me with this, and if you have kids, I encourage you to read the Jesus Storybook Bible. Is that what it is? The hardback Jesus Storybook Bible? It helped me to see a lot of those types and shadows in the Old Testament that were all pointing towards Jesus, that were all pointing towards uh, the big picture, the big story. And so we're going to as fast as I can, go through the big story, the big picture today. Um, and this hopefully will establish us in what I want to, I don't want to call it a series because you know me and I'm ADD and I may go a different direction, but I, I feel like I want to hang out here for a little while and to establish kind of where we are as far as where is heaven, where is earth, how do these work together and how do we function within our lives with this truth. So uh, we're going to start, where should we start? Genesis? Sounds like a good place, right? So Genesis was the garden, and there were trees in the garden, obviously because there was fruit. Adam and Eve were in there. She had a dress on, probably. No. So just <laughs> she had a leaf. No, not yet. All right. Just, just so you can tell, it's Adam and Eve. You may not be able to. I'm not promising I'm going to draw everything perfectly because I'm going to go fast. So what we had here was, we'll just, we'll put God right here. <laughs> Is this pretty accurate? Is this look pretty accurate? All right. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get me started. You're going to get me distracted. I'm going to start talking, I'm start talking about ridiculous things. All right. So everything was good. We had little flowers. We had grass, everything. Okay. This, this was good, right? This was perfect. Everything was, we, we were in the presence of God. God was with us. Everything was great. All right. We messed up. <laughs> we failed. I, I know. My God. Okay. So ate the fruit, separated. This is, let's do black over here. These two things got separated. This is earth now. This is heaven, kingdom of heaven. There's lots of different names you can call it. So these two things are separate. This is where God is. <laughs> this, is this is us over here. We're sad too. All right. So now there's separation, okay? We get that? So what I grew up understanding and hearing from churches was now we need to try real hard to be good so that one day 
when we get struck by lightning, we can jump over here and get to heaven, right? <laughs> I don't know why we get struck by lightning. That kind of looks like a pitchfork. It got us, it got us both. <laughs> Death has no favorites. All right. So partially, I understand this, and, and as far as the Old Covenant goes, there was, a, there, there was still a separation, right? So there was, there was still a separation. We're not going to get struck by lightning anymore. All right. But the whole Levitical law came, and there were all these rules that we couldn't touch anything dead because death would transfer over to us. And there was all this, this issue with death, except for when we made a sacrifice, not we, the Israelites made a sacrifice. Now, when we made a sacrifice, told you I'm going to do it fast. Keep up. Listen fast. I'm going to talk fast. All right. So now, as long as the Israelites would make a sacrifice, these two in a certain area right here, which was the temple, we would be together again. You get it, right? So there, here's the spot right here. Now we've got, the earth is still here. We have all this sin and bad and ugliness. Heaven's still here, and it's all good and just and holy, right? Now we can't be, I've got so many markers. We can't, all right. We, we can't, just like Moses in the burning bush, you remember when Moses went to the burning bush and God said, hey, whoa, 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 take a step back. It's dangerous. Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. The reason they said that was because not that, that God was bad, but God was so good that man in his fallen nature couldn't get close to God, okay? So when he was getting close, God said, I love you so much. I don't want you to get too close and get burned up, basically, because I'm so good we can't, we can't, we can't be together right now because, unfortunately, you have still wickedness and there's still bad things going on, and I'm so good... And, and we kind of equate this to the sun. The sun's good. It gives us life, these kind of things. But if you get too close, it's not good. You get too close to the sun. And so what he's saying is, okay, I'll create this system where you sacrifice a lamb, and there, was, there were these temples, and it was, it was a temple with different chambers that you would go. One was a tent. I have this written down, but I'm trying to go fast. There was a tabernacle, which was a tent built by Moses, and there was Solomon's temple. So there were these two temples that you could go into, and there was these different chambers that you would go, and they would literally tie a rope to the high priest just in case there was some, still something going on, so the sacrifice didn't work or something, and he dropped dead, and they would drag him out. That's how like powerful the, the, how good and powerful God was. And so if they did the sacrifice correctly, he could go in, and he could be happy. With, he could have heaven meet earth in that place. Does that make sense? So in the Old Covenant, there was, a, there was this little spot where it, basically the sacrifice displaced our sin temporarily, okay? So there was a temporary displacement of sin once we sacrificed, and, and only certain people could do that and go into the Holy of Holies, which was in the, in the center right here. So this was basically the two, the two coming together. This was heaven kissing earth right here in, this, in that spot, okay? The cool thing is one of them was a tent. <laughs> it didn't have to be some glorious place, but what they would do is they would decorate it have you all read about some of the decorations? They would have jewels. They would have trees and flowers. Why? Because they wanted to mimic the garden. They were trying to create an atmosphere that felt like everything was good again back in, in, in Eden. And so they would decorate them the best way that they could to, to feel that way. And so as they're entering, it would be very natural that they would be able to, to commune and have time that they could spend with God. Okay? All right, let me make sure I'm not getting ahead of myself. All right. Nope, I did it. I covered it all. Didn't even look at my notes. All right, the animal 
would absorb the sin. The animal dies, creates a clean space for the Israelites to be present. Now, this is just for the Israelites, too. So if you were lucky enough to be an Israelite and be a high priest, you could enter in and, and taste heaven on earth. You could have, have time spent with God. That was the only way it would work, okay? So now what about us? Where are we? How do we fit into all this? Is, I'm not a Jew. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fit into the criteria to even be in the Old Covenant. So this is where Jesus comes in. Where's my racer? I told you I'm doing it fast, but most of you, these are basic truths that we know, but we, I feel like we just need to get them <laughs> on a dry erase board, apparently, so that we can see them. All right. So, God didn't stop there. He continued because he wanted us all to experience his presence, right? He didn't want just them to experience. He said, I want everyone. This is the big picture. So we're fast-forwarding a lot, a lot. So he wanted us to, to, to do that. So in the book of John, <clears throat> actually it's John 2.18, I have it right here. So the Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered, answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken was of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said, and they believed the scripture and the words um, that Jesus had spoken. So what he's saying is, now I'm the temple. Do you remember the temple that you had where you could, you could meet God? Now I'm going to be that temple for you. And they didn't get it. They're like, you don't, it took us 46 years to build that temple. You can't rebuild it in three days. And he was saying, no, it's not that kind of temple. I'm, I'm going to be the temple. I'm going to be the one that brings heaven to earth, essentially. Now here's... Here's the, the, the big dividing point that I found in the theology that I heard to what I understand now is the goal was to try to get to heaven back then. Now, I believe the goal is to bring heaven to earth. This is what I believe the goal is now. So this is a, a kind of a spoiler alert. <laughs> this is where I'm going with this. This, this, is, this is now our new reality is that we're, we're, not, we're not trying to get away from it. And the scriptures tell us that clearly when Jesus prays for us and says, I don't pray that you get... You, that, that God takes you out of the world, but that I'm with you while you're in the world. So he's not trying to, he's not trying to get you out of here. He, need, he needs you here. This is, we have a reason to be here. Um, and so he goes on and he says, I'm going to be that temple. This is the reality that I have. So Jesus is now the temple. So this, is the, this is the place in the middle where heaven and earth overlap. So then Jesus is killed. So this messes everything up, right? Well, if Jesus is a temple, we don't have a temple anymore because they killed him, okay? But he just said there that he's going to be raised in three days. And so we have to go back to where John the Baptist saw Jesus. Bless you. And bless everyone else as well. We have <laughs> not just the person that sneezed. We have to go back to where John the Baptist first saw Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just the temple. He's also the sacrifice. So he's both of those things, Right? So now, not only is he both of those things, he's not both of those things temporarily. He's not just a tent. He's not just something that can be moved or changed or destroyed ever again. He's also the sacrifice that's not just temporary, but he's the permanent sacrifice forever for sin all the time. So let's, let's draw this so we can all see it. So this, I lost my cap. I'm just going to leave them off. Now here are the two worlds. So what essentially happened is, this is where Jesus was, <clears throat> and 
all this sin over here. Wherever he was, there wasn't. Kind of like positive displacement. Like you put something, put something in a cup and the water rises and it displaces it. Wherever he went, the problem was he didn't stay there. He went around and created little pockets of heaven everywhere he went. What did Jesus do when he walked the earth? Healed people, loved people, brought the kingdom everywhere he went. He brought heaven with him everywhere he went. He created these pockets. This is why the scriptures say, it, or Jesus said, it's better that I go, right? Why is it better that he leaves? Because the Holy Spirit could come to us. So now, he leaves and he sends this Holy Spirit to us. Boom, boom, boom. And now we're creating those pockets of heaven everywhere we go. So when, when we walk around and we have this atmosphere of heaven around us, and here's the important part. The reason we need to know this is because as we operate in our daily lives, if we don't realize that, if we, if we think that we're, we're on this big escape plan to get out of here and we're just trying to get people to go with us, do you see the, the radical difference in, in knowing that wait a minute, there's something that I carry now, there's something that I have that I can now positively affect the people around me. I can displace evil around me. We have to know that we have that power. Now, I know especially with, with, with a lot of grace people and grace churches, when you start talking about doing things, people go, oh, don't talk about works, don't talk about, uh, we, you know, we don't want to get into performance again, and I agree, we're not getting into performance again, but we are, we are, we are brought into this relationship by grace for good works. There's, there's no doubt that we have good works that we need to do. So once we realize that, we're not going into this place of doing good works so that we're good with God and we can, we can have a better uh, relationship or better reputation when we get to heaven. This was a discussion I had with a friend when we were talking about why, why do you do good things? And he said, well, I, I do good things because it's what God wants me to do. I said, well, give me an example. He said, well, someone is somewhere that I don't want to go and I go to help them. That's like sacrificial Say it's in cold water and my feet get cold and wet and I don't want to do that. And I said, well, why, but why do you do it? And he said, well, because when I get to heaven, there will be, you know, crowned with jewels and these different things. And I said, so selfish ambition. I mean, if, let's get to the core of it. If it's, if it's just so that I can receive more things when I get to heaven, then it's, at, the, at the heart of it, it's selfish ambition. It's wanting more for myself, not to help other people. But if you come from a place that we understand that is grace, that knows that there is complete unmerited favor that we can share with other people, essentially heaven that displaces evil around us that we can give to people, that changes your perspective on how we do everything. The, it's not about us. The, and I don't want to, you guys know me, I don't get into political stuff or, or I'm not going to get into too much detail, but the tragedy that happened in Florida, we, I mean, we can't ignore it. And the first thing I thought of was, I mean, it, it is absolutely devastating. I don't mean to make light of it. But how much more do we need to be displacing evil than trying to just, and C.S. Lewis said it, something to the effect of, and I'll probably butcher his quote, but you can, you can sit in a dark room and curse the darkness or you can light a match, you can, you can light a candle. And to me, the, the church, not just us, but other churches too, the more we can build relationships with people and infiltrate that evil and displace it, the, the, the less likely these tragedies would happen. Now, like I said, I'm not gonna get into details, there's lots of different things that many of us could do in different ways, that's fine. But personally, in your life, in your friends, in your family, and the ones that you see that are hurting and lonely that you can reach out to, what are we doing? What are we doing to displace evil? It's not, it's not, I need to do this so that I get jewels when I get to heaven, which is ridiculous, by the way, because it says the streets are paved with gold, which uh, Brian and I were talking about. That shows you how little value gold has in heaven. <laughs> we'll just pave the streets with them. You know, they're burning hundreds. Yeah. 
pearly gates. They're making gates out of pearls. <laughs> I mean, think about that for a minute. It's not about, we're, we're, putting, we're putting earthly characteristics on heaven instead of putting heavenly characteristics on earth. What are we doing? We're, we're, we're trying to create a heaven that looks like earth? When the descriptions of heaven were just to give us an example of how great it is, I know. We can't fathom how good it is, but what we can fathom is how bad we see around us. <laughs> That's easy to see, right? So now when we carry, we carry this atmosphere and we talk about, you know, and, and Mark used to talk about it, well, when is enough? Well, when your shadow gets cast on somebody and they get healed, maybe we need to talk about it. We're, going, we're doing too much. But until then, we continue to pray for people. We continue to love people. We continue to displace evil knowing that we carry something that's not of ourselves and of our own ability. That's where grace comes in and puts us in that peculiar position that we say, now God has given me a gift that I can't manufacture on my own. I can't, I can't earn it. And now I can't even lose it. If I try it, I can run away from it, but it chases me down everywhere I go. So now I carry this, this atmosphere, this pocket of heaven around me. And anywhere I go, it goes with me. They say, well, they took prayer out of schools. How? They didn't take prayer out of schools. They may have corporately taken it out, but my kids pray. They can't stop them from praying for people. They're not, st- they're not stopping that. When, when we talk to our kids, there's nothing that can hinder them from bringing the kingdom of heaven everywhere that they go. You can, you can pass whatever law you want, but I guarantee you, the more you persecute Christians, the more we flourish. <laughs> so we're not, we're not as persecuted as we think we are in America. I can promise you that. And there's much more freedom that we have that we can be telling our kids that they can use. And, it, and it's not... It doesn't have to be a, a, a corporate prayer setting. They can build relationships with kids and pray for them individually in their classroom. After school, before school, yeah. Yeah. And what's his business? <laughs> yeah. And I, I really do feel like, and I know there's a lot of, of kind of doomsday preachers and, and people get caught up in Revelation, but Revelation says there'll be a new earth and a new heaven coming together. And I believe that the more we spread heaven, the sooner that will be a reality to us. I don't think it's the other way around, that we're waiting for it to get much, much worse until he'll come and, and get us out of here. Last time I checked, he's gonna, we're going to have a new earth. <laughs> he's not, he, so our, our position is not trying to escape, which is, breaks down to the, to the most, to the, oh, I can't even speak, to the core of what we try to do most of the time in our lives is try to escape a false reality usually. We all try to escape the things that we have to deal with when God's saying, I'm not trying to snatch you out of here. I need you where you are. So I say when you're, when you're put in a difficult position, pray. Don't try to escape it. Pray while you're in it because you could be taking away your calling. You could be saying, get me out of here because this is too hard. And God's saying, I need you there because you're the only hope for those people. You see the difference? But is heaven still considered a different physical location? Like, is it still considered Well, when you get into... When you get into physical and spiritual things, I, I believe it's two different dimensions. <laughs> this is going to sound a little kooky, but there's two different dimensions. It's almost like a radio frequency that you tune into. And a lot of the younger ones are like, what's a radio frequency? But we used to have dials and you're Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. It's like a Wi-Fi. Oh, better, much better. <laughs> it's like a Wi-Fi network. You tune into it and you, it's, it's, an, it's something running parallel to us, just like this, and, and they meet where the Holy Spirit is. So... Maybe in the future it will be more physical. Maybe, you know, maybe that's what, what Revelation is talking about, new earth and new heaven. I believe it's going to be back completely to uh, Eden. I mean, 100% complete. I think, that, I think that's going to be the reality for everyone one day. How? Huh? So Peter. Yeah. I think so. Well, what, what happens now if he dies? You, 
you still go to, he- to that reality, that spiritual reality, and I, I haven't got to that yet. <laughs> but, but there is, no, no, that's a good question. That's a good question, and I was going to get to that in a minute, but we'll get to it now. So the whole thing about going to heaven when we die, yes, and there are scriptures that back that up. You will be in paradise with me. There are scriptures, but it's not the core message of the Bible. It, 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 the, the, the grand scheme of things, that's not the core message. But it has been preached that way. It's been taught that way that we've got to get out of here and get to heaven. Yes. Yeah, the upside down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good analogy. I'm just upset they didn't look for, uh, what's her name? Barb. Poor Barb. Why didn't they look for her longer? Spoiler alert. All right, anyway. You, you'll get me distracted easily. This is the only church you come to probably in West Mobile. We're going to talk about stranger things in the upside down. I used to talk about the Matrix similarly, though. The Matrix was a similar analogy as well. Because it, it's... It is, it is this reality that, that, that these things kind of come together and it's, we do get to go there and, and see its fullness. I do believe that. When you die, you do go to heaven in its fullness. So there is that reality and I don't... Or hell, yeah. It's, a, it's, another, it's another dimension. It's the upside down. Yeah. Have you seen it? No. Catch up and come... <laughs> get on our level. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> squirrel. squirrel, where was that? All right, hang on. <laughs> All right, let's see, where are we? So the main focus, let's get to this. Um, the main focus is, rest- the main focus isn't just dying and going to heaven when you die. That's not the main focus of the Bible, the meta-narrative, the big picture, the big story. I think the main, fo- the main focus of Scripture in general is restoration. It's, it's, a, it's like a big love story of, of a restoration. And so it's, and that, go, that trickles down from God to us. That's how we talk about love. We can't love until he loves us because we didn't understand what real agape, unconditional love was until he gave it to us. And so now when, now when we are restored to a relationship with him, now we can actually have much more real and fulfilling relationships with other people because now we're not bound to what they can do for us because we are free in him because he's, he's given us a greater love than we could ever experience. And so now he's our source and we, and we go that. So the, the big picture is restoration, I think. I think the big picture is restoration. So it's, it's heaven and earth coming together in us now. Now, and like that, that hasn't happened fully yet. I mean, I haven't seen it. There's still... Sickness, there's still evil, there's still bad things in this earth. Can we agree on that? So it hasn't happened in its fullness yet, but I believe that we do carry the power to affect people around us and that heaven has crashed into earth in our hearts. I think that heaven has been planted like a seed in our hearts and it grows. The Bible talks about um, rivers flowing out of us like, like, uh, like living water. And wherever that goes, do you see the difference in the whole death and life thing is a spiritual parallel of death and life? And this is good... 
And I want to encourage you because these are good questions, but I can't get to them all right now. Come on Wednesday nights. It's a better time. And I'm not trying to like plug Wednesday nights, but it's just a little more, we can talk more about it. Much easier to get distracted. (laughs) And that's not a problem. But it's like it flows of living water. So now what, what comes out of you, you're not concerned about what comes in you now because you realize you have living water that's coming out of you. And where it goes, it creates life. Boom, boom, boom. It creates like, basically like, like Eden everywhere. It pops up life. And so you're, you're giving life to people. You're not, just ex- you're not just trying to explain things or try to get them to escape with you or hide in a corner until the rapture comes. You're saying, I have something that you can benefit from right now. Right now. And I tell you, that's what a dying world needs to hear is that I've got an answer to your problems right now, not come to church with me so that you can do good things and get to heaven one day. That, that will work for a while until they realize something will fail them in that. Whether it's you or me or somebody else will fail them in that. So the, the goal is restoration. It is, it is to be together with God forever. It's to be his BFF. <laughs> like he's got the other half of your little heart with the little thing on it. We're BFFs now. And you get to share it with other people. You can be God's BFF too. And think about like the next time you go to a, a, a family get-together or you know, a barbecue or hanging out or doing something, when you realize that you carry that with you, you now can add so much value to everyone around you and you're not trying to suck the life out of, out of everyone because you need them to, to, uh, to, to build you up all the time because now you have a source. <laughs> um, it just it changes your perspective on everything. For me, it has, personally. Yes? So I've always been, and again, I didn't really grow up in church, so I've always been curious as to what exactly happened because Jesus said that I don't know. That's a great Wednesday night discussion. Because I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when that point was. I mean, I. Move. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Carol knows. Is that when the prediction started? Uh, that's when what? The predictions of when it was going to be started? Well, I'm sure they, I don't know that that started then because people probably enjoyed predictions sure before that. But, you know, the Catholic Church doesn't have a doctrine of the rapture at all. But the evangelical churches picked it up in the early 1800s and ran with it. And that's really when it got started, I think. Well, that would make sense. And that, and that, would, that would tie right into a lot of the fear-based teaching that I grew up hearing. Because it was a control thing. If I can scare you into getting right then you'll stay right and you'll stay straight. You won't embarrass me. <laughs> you'll, you'll be a part of our group, our country club, basically, our good guys club, and we want to keep the bad people out and keep the good people in. We want to make sure that they know that we don't like them. <laughs> yeah. But to answer his question, though, when it started, to me, it was when they went from following the Spirit to making, it, making Christianity out from a relationship to a religion, where it went from had people in power who weren't even followers of Jesus Christ. Well, those are... But it, it, was, it, was, it was that change of where they went to religion. They relied on religion because they, they lost that grace. They lost that understanding of what Paul's talking about, about grace. 
I think it's I think it's two and the same. I think you're saying the exact same thing. Yeah. I think that they, they if it's you know not a big focus on works. Well, what am I supposed to do now? And the job of just loving people, being the you know who's going to tell me what to do? Right. Right. Is a hard job, but not one that everybody wants to live really. You know what I'm saying? And and that's and that's that was the bit. Who's going to tell me what to do? And that's probably at the same time when we negated the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives and in our churches. And I believe that's, that's the key to what's going to be a, 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 I used to call it revival, I think it's going to be a great awakening, is going, going to be when the church begins to realize that we need to be led more by the Holy Spirit and, and actually listen. And that's who's going to show us what to do and how to do it. Yeah. Yep. And that's how people talk about how bad America is. Come on, look at Roman culture. Go back, go back some time. We're not, I mean, yeah, we got some bad stuff, but they act like this is all brand new. Nothing, there's nothing new. Yeah, you got nothing on Rome. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not saying we're perfect or we're good, but come on now. Yeah, but I'm just saying, and, <laughs> spoiler alert, all this isn't written about America, and I love America. I'm not like being anti-American, but this isn't all just written to us, like we're, it's all about us. It's not. This is, this is global. This is worldly. This is worldly, not worldly, worldly. But anyway, so, all right, I'm, I'm way off. Where do we go? Where do we go from here? All right, 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5. This gives us, I think, gives us a pretty good example of what we're supposed to do now. As, uh, 1 Peter 2, 4, yeah, 2, 4. It says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, living like stones, are being built into a temple of the Spirit. To be, ho- to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So now we get to be temples. So now that's why we're called Christians. It was really given to us by, by our enemies, but we're like little Christs. So now we are temples of God. We don't just set them up in buildings everywhere as churches. Now we are little churches. We are little temples, and we are carrying, we are carrying heaven everywhere that we go. We are literally like crashing earth <laughs> with heaven <clears throat> and it, it's what's amazing about that is and this is and this is not a good good works thinking or anything like that and I did this yesterday and it's the first time I've ever done it so I'm not like trying to brag on me so I want to encourage you <clears throat> for, for this was a Holy Spirit thing I had never done it before I've had people do it to me twice like a, a few weeks ago um, but I was going through a drive through at McDonald's picking up a biscuit and I don't know how to, I'm so messed up, I don't know how to do it. I was trying to pay for the person in front of me. They're like, huh? <laughs> well, I just want to pay for the person in front of me. And so when I got up there, she was like, well, they only had a drink. And I was like, well, I'm blessing somebody today. Can I pay for the person behind me? And I told Trini, told Trini later, she was like, what if they said like $50? And they're like, I mean, for the person behind them, that's, I meant the person behind them. No. <laughs> but I was like, I just want to pay, I said, I just want to pay for the person behind me. She was like, okay, so I paid for them or whatever. And I didn't do it. I seriously didn't even think about their reaction until it happened. But as I pulled off, I saw them, and they were just, like, so happy and waving at me. And I was like, ah, oh. you know, it was like seven bucks. I mean, we, we blow $7 on it. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was one of those things that I feel like the Holy Spirit led me to do something simple. Um, and then I did it, and, and the reward was greater. I didn't even expect a reward, but the reward was greater than it would have been if I would have spent that money on something else that I liked. You know what I mean? On something selfish. And then I made that post, if y'all saw on Facebook, was I just said give something. And it didn't even mean it to be money, time, whatever. Give something away because you may find a joy you didn't even realize that you could have because it's a different kind of joy. 
and it's, it sounds silly, I know, but I mean, just to see their face, like I smiled half the way home. I was like, that was so cool. I mean, how cool is that? Just to, just to give something away. And I think it's because that's, what, that's who we're created to be. It's, it's in our spiritual DNA. It's in our heart, and it's heaven saying, this is what I want you to do. It's not some super anointing that you have. It's Jesus just saying, hey, get like me. <laughs> it's like, hey, this is what I do, and this is, this is how we operate. This is how, it, that's how I operate in the kingdom. Just do that. It's not complicated. So these, these, these parallel realities that I believe crash in our hearts and come with us everywhere should, like I said, should prompt us to do much more than we ever could do under uh, a legalistic system or a religious system. This is why I don't believe, and, and a lot of people that attack, I, I say the grace message, the gospel is what it is. It's not some, something new. People that attack the gospel or, and that attack grace and say, well, it, it creates apathetic people and people that don't care, they don't do anything. And I've not, found, I've not found that to be true. What I found to be true is some people begin, begin to uh, get the freedom to be who they are and they find themselves to be somewhat apathetic, can be, and then they have to deal with that. And sometimes that's hard. It's not pretty. Or they find out that, that they have the freedom to do things that they didn't know that they could do when they were bound up in religion, and they begin to try those things, and they realize this isn't fulfilling, right? They begin to see things that they go, okay, well, this is what's been in my heart. Now I need to deal with these things. Now they're, now they're revealed. They're laid out on the table. I've held them all in before because nobody's allowed me to, to talk about it. Man, I want to get into something else, but I can't. We don't have time to get into it. I'll, 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 I'll mention it, and I'll leave it with you, and we'll come back and talk about it. On Wednesday, no, not on, sometime. We may talk about it next Sunday. I don't know. We may talk about it at lunch, for all I know. But there, how can I word this without? There's, I think there's a problem because I know lots of other pastors around the city and in different places, and we talk about things. And I'm going to give you all and kind of we can edit this out of the, the podcast because I don't want. I'm not telling secrets about anybody you guys know, but there, all these people deal with different things. And when we talk, we meet, when we call, we text, and we want to support each other in the ministry, and it's awesome. I love it. We have a very unique church, I think. We have, we have many of you guys have either been, hey, I got blue on me, have either been, uh, either been hurt in churches or have, have, have seen kind of the worst side of people, the worst side of churches and organizations and different things like that. We come from all different denominations. You know, we've got, we've got just lots of different Really cool, I feel like we're a very rich church in that. There are other churches with people that I know and love and pastors that I know and love that have a very structured organization that don't allow them to, to be able to deal with some of their issues. They would, they would literally be done. And, and they don't, I have, you know, I don't have a salary here. I have another job. They don't have that. That's their livelihood. And this is many of us that talk about this. This isn't one specific person. We talk about these different things. And when one of them comes to me and wants me to pray with them over something, they're, they're in a bad situation because they, can't even, they don't have anybody to talk to because they've talked to anybody in their mainstream denomination. They're done. They're out. They're done. Now, they can't provide for their family. They, they, they can't even operate in their calling because they're struggling with an issue, and they're out. Now, I know this is a slippery slope and a fine line. We don't need people in leadership that are just blatantly abusing people or anything like that. This is not what I'm talking about. But people that have serious issues with different things... Where do they go? I mean, this is, I can see how the church can drive pastors to just falling apart and just going off the deep end 
Because who are they going to talk to? And this isn't by, about me, by the way. Like, I've got a friend. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> i got a friend who's a pastor of a church in West Mobile. No, this isn't about me. This, this really it, it genuinely breaks my heart, and I don't know how to fix it, honestly. And this is just, as a church, I, I hope, I hope you all can pray with, with me for them. Because I really feel like it's broken. It's a broken system. I really think it's a broken system to where the, the, the pastors are put in these positions where they can't, they can't even admit that they have any issues because then they're just completely, or, or they're ostracized. They're just put out of the church. And many of you, I know, I've talked to some of you guys, that that's happened to you when one of them, I know one specific was a divorce. It wasn't even his fault. He couldn't make her stay. And then he gets kicked off of the worship team. He gets kicked out of everything. He's like, I didn't have anything to do with it. I had no control over that. She left. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, his pastor just went on a pedestal, and the congregation expects him to be perfect, and they're human just like we are. They, they make mistakes, they sin just as well as we do. It is sad, you know, but they also put themselves in that position as, you know, they're the leader and everything has to go to them. Yeah, and I think it starts... I think it start, it's, a, it's a trust issue ultimately, but it ends up looking like insecurity on both sides. Insecurity on the congregation, insecurity on the pastor, where he needs to feel like he's needed, and the church needs someone else to draw the lines for him because ultimately they're lazy, <laughs> or they don't want to hear from the Holy Spirit on their own. They want, they want somebody else to do the hard job for them, and then for them to do the easy job. Let me pay my tithe, let me show up on Sundays and Wednesdays, and let me go about my life knowing that I go to heaven one day when I die. Now, That's not what it's all about. We could go on and on, but I don't want to be here all day. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't mind being here all day. I, don't, I know y'all will probably sit here all day. I think some of it is, some of the issue really derives from pastors being required to tell the congregations how to live their lives rather than telling the congregation how to love and how to, how to love one another. You know, you know, so that if the pastor then, you know, says, all right, don't spit on the sidewalk. Yeah. It's a matter of what they choose or what they are required by the denomination to preach as a standard. But if the standard is love, then it frees them yeah. as well as the content. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that <clears throat> it's important to have structure. I'm not saying we just need to be chaotic in here. I understand we need leadership and we need people in place that are responsible that can do things. And we have elders here and we have we're, we, we hold each other accountable but it is all under the umbrella of love. And here's, here's what I think the key is, because one of the denominations that I, that I got saved when I was 20 and started going to, there was, and I, I don't run anybody off with this, but that's just the way I feel, there was a, a belief that the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the, when you were baptized by the Holy Ghost, the evidence of that was speaking in tongues. Now, I speak in tongues, it's no secret, I don't brag about it or like I'm better than anybody, because I couldn't do it, I tried. I tried for like three or four years, and then Tracy did before me, and I was like, How's that happen? She's quiet, and I'm charismatic, and she gets it before I do. I mean, I'm seriously. But, but that, that, was, that was the belief was that's the, the evidence. The evidence of that is that. And the, the Lord, I believe, showed me that that's not true. The evidence is love. And Paul reiterated it when he said, you sound like a resounding gong if you don't have love. So for me, the evidence of, of caring, whether it's, whether it's, manifest in many different ways and many different giftings. They're all found in Christ. So if you're looking for an anointing, you have it. 
Give me a to preach another sermon. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, and it's very much a controlling thing. And Mark used to say, and I love this, and many other pastors said it too, is I've heard many sermons uh, that give good advice, but not many that have given good news. And the gospel is good news. It's not good advice. That doesn't negate teaching or practical wisdom. It's just saying our job primary, primarily is to give the good news of the gospel, which is grace through believing in Jesus Christ. Yes. I don't think it's, I don't think it's that we need, we need like a gold store or pendant or anything like that. I think some of us do in a way. I think, we, I think because we are still weak and we still need something, I think, I think it benefited me when some of those things happened, but it, was, it wasn't in a way that I could hold it over other people's heads. That's not in that at all. Not like, not like I've reached a plateau or anything. I think it was, if I ever doubt, I go back to, okay, I remember when God moved in my life and I felt it. It, was, it wasn't just a teaching. It was a reality in my heart. So, but for us to measure others. No, 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 no. We don't need that. No. No, yeah, exactly. No, I agree with, not to measure, but that's what it was treated like. You don't have it because you're not speaking in tongues. So you, you, they might as well have said you're not good enough. You're not good enough. That's what they meant. I mean, they may not have said that, but that's what they meant. Or you didn't, whatever. And this isn't just in charismatic realms. There's many other areas and many other different mainstream denominations that do the same thing. You're not good enough because you don't X, Y, Z. Yeah. That's the funny thing. This came a lot. And in Acts, they were prophesying. Yeah. And they were speaking in all the other, other languages that were around them. God manifested at that time. If here's the thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stop with this because I know we're over. And um, here's the thing, with all of it, all of it, every single bit of gifts, whether it's anything, anything that we receive from God, if we make it about us, we pervert, we pervert it. If we make it about a ranking system or something that 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 is is about me, then we 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 step into heresy eventually. I mean, we we, we step into a place where where we're now our God, where we say we're the ones that are producing this and not him. If we, if we don't look at him as the source and realize the only reason we have it is to help and love others, then we've got some, there's something messed up there. That's, that's not right. We don't rank each other on these. That's, that's not how we work. So don't do that. All right, stand up with me. This is fun. Y'all like this? This is good. Um, <laughs> Father, I just thank you for your truth, Lord. I thank you that, that you've given us eyes to see and ears to hear the, the truth of the revelation of, of heaven in our hearts, Lord, that we're not trying to escape um, all the bad things around us as though you're intimidated by them. Father, we know that you're bigger and you're better than everything that... that that seeks to break you down or destroy um, uh, how we see people and how we see things and how we see you. Father, I pray that you will begin to, to reveal to us more and more the lies that have been told to us by, by people that either seek to control or hurt us, um, but also to, to see those people as children that you love as well, that we could pray for them just as you've commanded us to pray for our enemies and to bless those that curse us. So, Father, I pray that you would reveal to us the truth of the gospel, the good news, the grace, um, 
and the, and the reality of heaven on earth now that when we, when we walk out these doors, Lord, that, that, that those divine meetings would, would be clear as day, that, that, that we would see them, recognize them, and act on them. And so we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.